When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. People's Republic of China launched an estimated 11 ballistic missiles towards Taiwan. Russia is wrongfully detaining Britney. I never meant to break any law here. I made an honest mistake. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. On this vote, the yeas are 95, the nays are 1, and one senator responded present. This is coming after the families and the farmers and the small businesses of America. Your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. China reportedly fires missiles over Taiwan. Brittany Griner gets nine and a half years of the Senate approved Sweden and Finland to join NATO with a single vote against. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we gauge the fallout from Nancy Pelosi's trip to Asia with Brett Bruin, former White House Director of Global Engagement, and the impact of the Griner sentencing with Thomas Firestone, former Assistant U.S. Attorney, worked as a lawyer in Moscow. Later, reconciliation gets more complicated for Democrats. We'll get a behind-the-scenes view from Jim Kessler of Third Way, former legislative policy director for Senator Chuck Schumer. China ups the ante after Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip this week to Taiwan. Retired Admiral John Kirby speaking for the National Security Council today at the White House. Overnight, People's Republic of China launched an estimated 11 ballistic missiles towards Taiwan, which impacted to the northeast, the east, and southeast of the island. We condemn these actions, which are irresponsible and at odds with our long-standing goal of maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and in the region. And Japan says five of those 11 ballistic missiles landed in its exclusive economic zone and four likely flew over Taiwan itself, a major escalation if confirmed. Kirby says the U.S is not standing down in the region. We will not be deterred from operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific, consistent with international law, as we have for decades, supporting Taiwan and defending a free and open Indo-Pacific. To that end, Secretary Austin today is directed that the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan and the ships in her strike group will remain on station in the general area 
to monitor the situation. All right. But he says the U.S. is also postponing a planned Minuteman 3 ICBM test. So as to not further inflame tensions. Is that the price of the trip? Let's get into it now with Brett Bruin, president of the Global Situation Room, former director of global engagement in the Obama White House. Brett, welcome back. Was it the right move now to postpone a planned U.S. missile test? I think so. You don't want to create a situation where we're in an escalatory pattern. Instead, uh, the U.S. needs to be a responsible party here trying to de-escalate this situation, show that uh, we are not giving ground, but at the same time, we're not going to give uh, Beijing an excuse to uh, up uh, their aggression. And I think that's what you saw come out of uh, the decision by the Defense Department today. Uh, seeing the reports, and I'm assuming that the the reports from Japan are correct, that, that several of these missiles went over Taiwan is a new level. Does it require it a response? I, I, again, I think we should um, be much more uh, careful in how we respond. Uh, Beijing is looking to show strength after uh, Secretary, uh, or rather Speaker Pelosi's visit. And, and this was uh, their attempt at that. Obviously, it breaks with some past precedent, uh, and it, it takes the uh, efforts by, uh, I think, the United States and our allies to show restraint in this moment mm -hmm. and to show that uh, this kind of force, and let's not forget, Russia was also engaged in, quote unquote, training exercises that preceded their invasion of Ukraine. Yes, and indeed. so. These kinds of exercises can be a prelude to further action. One of the, the concerns that I've uh, been speaking with experts uh, about is if China should occupy islands uh, off of Taiwan's coast that are, are part mm -hmm. of uh, uh, Taiwan, what is our reaction? Do we mm -hmm. call that an invasion? Do we respond? Right. Is that the same as invading uh, Taipei? Uh, look, we've got some some tough decisions to make here, potentially. And I don't know where this is going, Brett, but China has essentially created a blockade around Taiwan over the coming days as these exercises encircle the island. Uh, Taiwan is is at the mercy of Beijing. Would, how dangerous does this get? Are we going to be talking about this weeks down the road or does China pack up its toys when this is over and go home? Well, I think most observers would see them packing up their toys for now and going home. This was a show of strength. It was an attempt to send a message. Should they stay there, uh, the United States, our allies, uh, would need to uh, challenge that presence. And you know, we have a model for doing so. Mm -hmm. China has made claims to other parts of uh, the Pacific Ocean, the South China Sea, and we have freedom of navigation movements. Similarly so, I think you would see a situation in which the United States uh, would uh, attempt to break that um, uh, uh, blockade of, yeah. of the island of Taiwan. So what's going to happen the next time we send the, the Ronald Reagan up the Taiwan Strait? Well, uh, I think what we've seen in the past is that China will engage, whether it's uh, on the, the ocean, in the sky, in a series of aggressive maneuvers. But let's not forget that Xi Jinping is in a very difficult uh, position right now. The economy back home in China has been suffering, uh, showing anemic growth. 
And also, obviously, his crackdown over the last several years has created a whole host of uh, enemies, animosity. Mm -hmm. So he's got to be careful how he plays his cards here. And I think at the same time, um, the U.S. is in a stronger position after Russia's invasion of Ukraine with a united West with uh, a playbook for how we handle these kinds of situations. Brett Bruin, Global Situation Room President, the former Director of Global Engagement at the White House in the Obama administration. We appreciate it as always, Brett. Thank you for the insights as we we turn to the Brittany Griner sentencing today. And boy, nine and a half years, I guess no one's surprised, right? They, they had asked for nine and a half. People thought she might get 10, and there it is. She spoke before the sentence came down. I've never meant to hurt anybody. I've never meant to put in jeopardy the Russian population. I never meant to break any laws here. I made an honest mistake, and I hope that in your ruling that it doesn't end my life here. Reaction from the White House was swift. We got a statement from President Biden. Came up in the briefing with Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. So today's sentencing is a reminder of what the world already knew. Russia is wrongfully detaining Brittany. She never should have had to endure a trial in the first place. Here's what else the world already knew. This likely ends with a prisoner swap. So did Russia just get more leverage? Uh, we bring in Thomas Firestone, partner at Struk and Struk and Levon, former assistant U.S. attorney who actually worked in Moscow for some time as a lawyer. Thomas, thank you for being here. Uh, this seemed inevitable to most people watching it. Did you expect such a harsh sentence? I did expect a harsh sentence. You know, on the one hand, the typical sentences in Russian ordinary cases like this are about five years probation. Her lawyers made that point. In recent cases involving Americans caught at the airport, the sentences have been much higher. Mark Fogel, a 61 year old school teacher, got 14 years for 17 grams. Nami Sakar got seven and a half years for nine grams. This is one gram, right? This is less than one gram. This okay. is less than one gram. So she got nine years for less than one gram. In what world is that a reasonable sentence? There's no such thing as an appeal for an American or I'm assuming anyone in Russia. How does this work? No, there is an appeal. Her lawyers will file, will file an appeal. It's is it got serious, a lot of though, or is it, a, is it a sham appeal? I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it succeeding. I'll put it that way. I think it's. A, I think it's a long shot. Yeah. Um, she's got some other a- angles that she can pursue legally, but I, again, I would not expect a positive result. So that said, we'll we'll spend time, I guess, on that. Or do we move ahead with the idea of the prisoner swap? And I know you're not uh, an expert on that, but the analysis, Thomas, today was that this sentence was was the message from Moscow saying, no, no, you. Know, we expect someone back for her. And it might be more than one person at this point. Did they gain leverage along the way? Is that where we're going? I think I think they definitely gained leverage. I mean, you said that at the beginning that where this ends, it's it, no surprise it'll end with a prisoner exchange. I think that's the best case scenario. Let's not forget they already the U.S. already offered Victor Boot, our big trump card in all of this, yeah, yeah. doing 25 years for Whelan and Griner. And the Russians apparently said no. So where does that leave us? Well, that's why I ask. If it's going to be both Whelan and Griner, we're going to have to get two Russians back to Moscow, right? 
Right. And they've asked for, I mean, they've really upped the ante on this and they're, you know, the State Department said it's not a serious offer. They, they really upped the ante and they said, we don't, we want boot plus Vadim Krasikov, a convicted murderer in German custody. So talk about <laughs> difficulties. Bad enough to give someone up, you know, from U.S. custody, but here's a murderer got life in, in, in Germany. Wow. How are we going to work that? So call your friend Schultz and work it out. Thomas, I, whenever I see images of uh, Brittany Griner, she's wearing her own clothing. I've seen her wearing, you know, sports jerseys and so forth. At this point now, is she in a jumpsuit in uh, in, in a prison? What, what's happening with her? No, she's in a pretrial detention facility on the outskirts of Moscow near the airport where she was arrested. Um, she's got she'll file the appeal. And then it's only at, in most cases, it's only after the appeal is rejected that the conviction becomes final and she gets sent to a penal colony. That'll be God knows where in Russia, but a she'll penal stay where colony. She yeah. So this is like yeah. hard labor we're talking. Well, I don't know that it's going to be hard labor. It's not uh, a labor camp necessarily, but it's not a pleasant place to be. Where she is right now is not a good place to be. The penal colonies are generally worse than the pretrial facilities. Good Lord. How long uh, would the appeal take, Thomas? Do you have a sense of that or can you not predict with a Russian court? It's hard. It'll probably take several months. I mean, there's a strategic choice here. Does she want to accelerate the appeal? Because if you assume the appeal is going to be unsuccessful, does she really want to decide it quickly and get sent to the colony yeah, more right. faster? So it'll probably take several months. Thomas Firestone, fascinating and appreciate the insights here. We had to talk with an expert about that so we can all have a better sense of what's actually going on. Before we assemble our panel, and we'll do that next. After traffic and markets, Jeannie Shanzano and Doug High are with us. On the Fastest Hour in Politics, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Missiles over Taiwan. Brittany Griner, nine and a half years. Geopolitics not getting any easier for the Biden administration as the war continues in Ukraine. Of course, China is its own thing here. As we assemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, and Doug High is back with us today, Republican strategist, former communications director at the RNC. 
Jeannie, let's start with uh, Taiwan here. It, it, as I asked uh, Brett Bruin earlier, does this require a response of some sort if it's confirmed that these four of these ballistic missiles were shot over the island, an incredibly dangerous prospect as they were on their way to Japan? You know, it, it is going to require a response of some kind. And I think that that's part of what Nancy Pelosi's trip did. Is it, it you know, it in, invited, if you will. This, this is the this, price of admission? This is the price. And we are now going to have to respond. No, I'm not saying we're going to have to respond militarily. But as she comes back, the question is, what's next? Um, are we going to beef up our military? Are we going to take steps to help Taiwan defend itself, possibly? Um, what does it do to our military budget? So I think those are the kinds of responses, and I think we're already seeing Blinken over in Cambodia today, as he's been trying to make the case that China is the aggressor here. We did nothing to change the status quo with this visit. Mm -hmm. They did. That seems to be falling on deaf ears, however. Doug, hi. I wonder what you make of this decision to postpone a U.S. uh, missile test in the region. Here's John Kirby today at the White House. We do not believe it is in our interest, Taiwan's interest, the region's interest to allow tensions to escalate further, which is why a long-planned Minuteman 3 ICBM test scheduled for this week has been rescheduled for the near future. You wouldn't say when that might happen, Doug, just soon. Is it the right thing to do? Well, my concern is, and, and it's part of the only real criticism I would have for Pelosi's visit, is we don't really know what the strategy behind it was. We know the why now. You know, she's potentially wrapping up a speakership and a, and a career in politics. And this has yeah. been a priority for a while, but we don't know what the strategy behind and what necessarily was going to be accomplished by going. And so, unfortunately, what we see time and time again in reactions to China is when we hear we don't want things to escalate, that means that we're going to change our behavior. China doesn't necessarily have to depend, uh, change their mm. behavior. And we see that politically, we see it culturally, economically, you know, all down the line. Brittany Griner uh, sentencing. What what timing here, Jeannie, on, on the same day that we're reading headlines of missiles over Taiwan? Nine and a half years. I think you said it would be 10, uh, basically no matter what, after the, the guilty uh, verdict came in here. But my goodness, uh, a prisoner swap has already been rejected by Russia. Do we offer more people? Where's this going? Yeah, this was a a show trial. This is exactly what Vladimir Putin wanted. This is exactly what the Kremlin wanted. And even the language that you were using in your discussion uh, with with Thomas, this idea that she is eventually going to be sent to a penal colony. You know, Putin realizes that when the American public looks at a superstar like Brittany Griner and they hear her heartbreaking statements, it's outrageous that she's gotten, you know, even a day, let alone nine plus years there. They are going to push the administration to make a deal and this is going to in your words uh, or is the word you used i think was leverage and it's absolutely right give putin the leverage he needs to get a two for two swap or whatever it is he's looking for or she'll sit there and it's an absolute atrocity this is high stakes doug uh, certainly politically how does the white house make this a win does it does it matter who they trade i'm assuming that's where this is going is is getting her home under any circumstances a win Well, I think you've got two different uh, scenarios potentially playing out on how we define a win. Obviously, if she comes home and there are other Americans who are, you know, they're not prisoners, they're hostages at this point. You know, the the footage of that will be warm. We'll all feel good about it. Um, And and it'll be, you know, a good moment, good visuals for the White House. But at what cost? Because, you know, the, the prisoner swaps that we would be doing, you know, are not 
Russian basketball players who might have inadvertently made a mistake. Um, these are going to be hardened killers. Yeah. Um, and so is the price worth it? It may be, um, but it's something this administration has to think carefully. Phew. You do wonder what kind of analysis it becomes subject to just just in the you know the general um, consciousness here because so many people want her to come home. But when you see the victory parade that takes place in in, in Russia, you know that's going to happen in Moscow. He's going to be out there. My God, they'll they'll all have their shirts off, Jeannie. It's going to be a big arm wrestling contest or something. Um, Drinking their vodka, yes. Yes, that's correct. It'll be very cold Thanks, out. Thanks for that image. Thank you, uh, and apologies. So I have to ask you about one more here. As while we're in the foreign policy sphere, an important vote yesterday uh, in the U.S. Senate to say yes to welcoming Sweden and Finland to NATO. On this vote, the yeas are 95, the nays are 1, and one senator responded present. Two-thirds of the senators present, a quorum being present, having voted in the affirmative, the resolution of ratification is agreed to. There it is. That's uh, Senator John Ossoff. Uh, Doug, one man, one voted against. His name is Josh Hawley. We have to do less in Europe in order to prioritize America's most pressing national security interest, which is in Asia with regard to China. So don't let Sweden and Finland into NATO because we need to invent that would that would draw more investment, I guess, in Europe. He's saying, Doug, is that going to become a more popular idea in the Republican Party or does he stand alone? Uh, Right now, he stands alone. That's one vote, right? It's not that core group of eight or 10, you know, the Trumpiest of the Trumpy. He's on his own. He clearly sees some kind of a political advantage on on this. But, you know, he's going to have to potentially on a debate stage defend his vote against the real other Trumpy candidate, say a Ted Cruz, who voted for this. And that's, you know, that's the political box that he's put himself in. But he sees it as as an opportunity. Doug High, Jeannie Shanzano, our sound on panel today. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. So a working weekend it will be for the Senate as the path to Democrats' climate and tax bill gets a little bit longer as Senator Kirsten Sinema pushes for changes. Now we'll talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Coming up with Jim Kessler of Third Way. Spent time as the legislative policy director for Senator Schumer. He's been there. You, You have to wonder what Senator Chuck Schumer is thinking right now. As he looks ahead to this weekend, waiting for the parliamentarian to rule and a relatively short window of time left to work on the climate and tax bill, having already learned, and we talked about it at this time yesterday, that Senator Kirsten Sinema does have some issues with the deal that Schumer struck with Joe Manchin, wants to drop carried interest, for instance, wants to narrow the scope of the corporate minimum tax But if you listen to Chuck Schumer on the floor of the Senate today, uh, you wouldn't know about it. Democrats are going to deliver on all these things and more when we pass the Inflation Reduction Act in coming days. Coming days, the same exact language that he used on the floor yesterday. So is he whistling past the graveyard? Does he know something we don't know? We bring in Jim Kessler, co-founder of Third Way, Democratic strategist, former legislative policy director for Senator Chuck Schumer. Jim, it's great to have you back. What's going on in the office 
at this point here is do you suspect Chuck Schumer directly uh, involves with Senator Kirsten Cinema on on changes that she wants to see? What's this conversation like? He's always directly involved, and I expect he's directly involved in this. I, look, this was a confident Chuck Schumer who went to the floor and said this is going to happen you know, in the next few days. My guess is this time next week, a bill will be through the Senate. There are a couple of hurdles. Some are procedural. The parliamentarian is looking at this bill. There's mm-hmm. always things that don't pass what's called the bird bath. Uh, some of the procedural rules with reconciliation, which means language will need to be tweaked. Yeah. And then there is whatever demands that Kirsten Cinema has and whether they can be accommodated or the best way they can be accommodated. But this feels like we're getting close. It feels like we're getting to the finish line. What doesn't make it out of the birdbath? And, and if it were in the bill now, would it include this drought protection money that Cinema is asking for? Well, you know, the, the parliamentarian, you know, ultimately has the final call. But generally, anything that is that is dealing with um, with revenue and deficit reductions and those sort of things um, can make it through the parliamentarian. Certain things that have to do with policy but don't have a real uh, revenue component sometimes get struck down. But there's always ways that you can craft the language to to the parliamentarian says, well, it works this way. It doesn't work that way. What we don't know is what's going to happen with carried interest, which yep. news reports say that Kirsten Cinema would like to strip out. Mm-hmm. And there are some reports that some of the corporate tax piece she doesn't like, but there's other reports that say that she's fine. And pull the carried interest out. It doesn't close. really put that big of a dent in the bill. Should Chuck Schumer be open to that? I mean, it is a very tiny amount. It's 14 billion dollars over 10 years. It's about 2% of the size of the bill. Look, it's one of those things that Democrats have been trying to do for a long, 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 long time. It would be great if it could stay in there. It's not going to be the thing that sinks the bill or makes it swim. Okay, there you go. Why are you so confident this gets done next week? Is it because of how close they are? Because, boy, this kind of feels familiar. It does feel familiar, but, you know, look, Joe Manchin was a huge... Um, hurdle. It got through that. The things that Kirsten Cinema are raising really seem like mostly minor issues, particularly if it's just carried interest piece. And she really does care about the climate pieces and the deficit reduction pieces. You know how Republicans are playing this as we're talking taxes is in terms of hikes. Joe Manchin keeps making the point there's no uh, tax increases in the bill. We're simply closing tax loopholes. But this is how it's playing on the other side of the aisle. Mitch McConnell on the floor today, not much uh, later than Chuck Schumer was talking. They want to ram through giant new tax hikes in the middle of the recession. New multi-hundred dollar tax hikes on American jobs that especially target the manufacturing sector leaving Americans with fewer jobs and lower wages. Jim, the the whole deal is being framed as a win for Democrats, a win for Joe Biden, something to crow about on the campaign trail. But how do you get around that narrative before November? You know, I think if Republicans were being really honest in the Senate, if it was a secret ballot, I bet about 15 or 20 Republicans would vote for this bill. That It really is closing a tax loophole in which very large corporations that report huge profits, but then for tax purposes, say they have virtually no profits, will actually be taxed on those profits. It is 
it is very minor in terms of the, the revenue increases in there. I think this is a little bit of the partisanship that you just see in Washington. So when you look back on this period of time, whether they get this done or not, and this would be a huge piece of legislation, Chuck Schumer looks back to November and he says, we got the gun safety bill, we got the CHIPS Act passed, got the PACT Act passed, and they got NATO done for Sweden and Finland yesterday. How does that compare in terms of productivity to a typical session? Well, and don't forget the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed last year. Well, sure, if you want to go back last year, sure. Yeah, so if you look at this entire Congress, I think this is the most consequential Congress for legislation since Ronald Reagan in his first term, 1981-82. That's quite a statement. I mean, after Build Back Better blew up. But in terms of actual pieces of legislation and and in in scope, can you compare that? Is is that what you're looking back to then? That's the the best comparison. I mean, there's, this has been, the infrastructure bill was enormous. This um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act is a very significant piece of legislation. CHIPS is major. The Russia sanctions legislation was major. The NATO expansion. Like, yeah. If you add domestic and foreign policy together, really one of the most significant two-year periods of the presidency since Ronald Reagan. I mean, look, Barack Obama's first two years, a lot happened. Uh, George W. Bush's first two years, a lot happened. Same yeah. with Bill Clinton's. I, and it will soon be compared to, to Joe Biden's uh, first two years. Jim Kessler, a third way. We thank you so much for the insights. You know, you wonder how much could be undone as well by a Republican majority quick on the heels of this Congress. We reassemble the panel next and we go to school on carried interests. Right here on Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Well, it sounds like the carried interest tax loophole in the Democrats' reconciliation bill may not make the cut, which would not be a deal breaker, as Jim Kessler just told us. 
We're talking about, what, $14 billion in a more than $700 billion bill. So what's all the fuss about Kirsten Cinema's objection and the carried interest? We've been hearing about it for days now. So before we reassemble the panel for their take on this, we thought we would go to school for a moment and get smart with Bloomberg's Shanali Basu. So, if the carried interest tax break went away, what would it mean for investment managers? What would it actually mean? Some of them would have to pay a lot more taxes. Of course, they are very wealthy. Remember, these are the wealthiest of most of Wall Street. These are private equity professionals. These are hedge fund professionals. So, yes, this would eat into their own profits and their own earnings. However, there are a lot of firms that have already started to move away from this model and start to pay people based on the stocks of their own companies instead. There's also a question. I look at what the Americans for Financial Reform has calculated, for example, how much does this raise in terms of tax income, right? How much does It's a pretty raise? small chunk of what we're talking about here. Remember, these are large political donors as well. So there is a sense that a lot of lawmakers do not want to ah, frustrate them. Now we're getting closer to the Chewy Center. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, if you go to lunch in New York with any of these private equity firms, they gripe about it. Absolutely. Okay. Professor Bosick, thanks for the lesson. Oh, anytime. I feel so much smarter now, don't you? It's because of the donations, right? Isn't that where we're going here? Follow the money. We reassemble the panel. Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst today, along with Doug High, Republican strategist, former communications director for the RNC. What do you think about that, Doug? Is 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 Shanali on to something? I mean, why even bring it up? Is there are other items that that would be uh, the same fourteen billion dollar value in this legislation that people would never hear about, whether they were in or out? Well, first off, Sonali is literally on my TV right now. So how you got her to be two places at once is just the fantastic. magic of Bloomberg. Um, no, it's you know it's interesting that it came up and was one of the first things to be removed. And you know one of the things that that always happens with legislation like this is as you get closer to it, it's not about what you can put in to incentivize people to vote for it. It's about what you take out. And clearly, there was an issue with cinema. It's one of the things that she wanted to see. Um, out of this bill, and when you're at a 50 Senate, you know, 50 Senate uh, vote majority, um, with only 50 members of your party, either way, yeah. every vote really counts on this one, and that's why she, and as we've so often seen with Joe Manchin, have a lot of leverage. Does this not smack though of lawmakers trying to make Wall Street happy, even though it might be just a little favor? But remember me in the fall, Jeannie. Yeah, and that's essentially what Dick Durbin said when he said she should support this. Absolutely. Um, And and I would just ask you to play that music again when I talk, Joe, because it sounds (laughs) so much better. It does Um, make everyone sound. (laughs) Yeah, Doug, don't you want it? Um, But, you know, the thing is, is that they are, you know, they were not even talking really about closing this essentially, but narrowing it to your point. They could take it out. It's a relatively small part of a $740 billion bill. But again, as Doug was just saying, they can't lose one of these people and i mentioned yesterday bernie sanders who described this bill as doing virtually nothing yeah, he's was not the a happy word he camper used. he's gonna vote for it he's not happy but you know you lose one of these people and that raises big questions are democrats gonna once again be it you know promising they got this over the line and then get it pulled back and i would just say briefly i was listening to megan mccain talk about what's happening in arizona hmm. and it made you know whereas i think you know cinema will go along with this when you listen to the politics out in Arizona, it can't be a huge shock if she doesn't go along with this either. They really like their Mavericks. <laughs> well, yes, they do. Um, I, I just, I wonder why we're, 
why we're spinning wheels on this, Doug, I guess. That was the exercise with Shanali to understand uh, what the actual uh, context is here and to put it in some perspective with the rest of the bill. Uh, Chuck Schumer gets this done, right? Are we assuming carried interest is out? Kirsten Sinema get what you want? Or should Kirsten Sinema be careful here? A no vote on this bill, especially being a lone no vote on this bill, could mean her political career. Well, you know, absolutely. And if you talk to Arizona Democrats, they're not happy with her and they haven't been for a while. She's certain to face, you know, a primary regardless. This would just put that um, in a little bit more of an overdrive context for it's why she's trying to get to yes. And again, we see this so often in Washington. It's when things get removed from legislation that you actually see the wheels of, of government working or not working, as the case may be. It's not as things get added to it. That's fascinating, though. You don't see her as an obstruction. You see her as trying to get to yes. Jeannie, did Democrats see it that way? I think they're frustrated. They see her as an obstruction. Trying and, you to know, get to yes. What do I have to do to get you in this car? <laughs> That's right. And, you know, she's talking also about the minimum corporate tax, even though a, a while back she said that was common sense. So, you know, they've got to be incredibly frustrated. And we're hearing that now. And to Doug's point, she is going to face a primary. But again, Arizona politics today. Day, it's really, really fraught out there. Yeah. I would never ask you guys about Alex Jones in any other world, but there's a screamer headline on Bloomberg Law. Infowars Alex Jones must pay $4 million in Sandy Hook case. Uh, this is a lawsuit brought by the parents of victims in the Sandy Hook shooting. They sought $150 million in defamation charges, uh, damages, I should say. Uh, and and it has been a very dramatic trial here. It's one that we've all been kind of watching with one eye, but became much bigger today and not because of this fine. I'll walk you through this for a moment. This is uh, Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, talk show host, and I don't know what other qualifier you want me to give him, but he was on the stand. And uh, a lawyer by the name of Mark Bangston, who represents the parents here who brought the suit just dropped a bombshell in the middle of the courtroom yesterday. Imagine Alex Jones's face becoming very red while this happens. Who are you turning it over to? Are you right allowed now, to I've, say? I've been, I've been asked. Let me start this here. Who are you turning it over to? Right are you allowed now, to I've, say? I've been, I've been asked by the January 6th committee. Uh, All right, I'll have to find this for you because this is not the one I was looking for. Fast forward to uh, today. The January 6th committee gets involved, and that's why I wanted to talk to you guys about this. It's it, it's awfully important stuff. If you're concerned about the future of the committee here. Now, I'll bring you back to, again, this involves Alex Jones' cell phone with the lawyer from yesterday. Mr. Jones, did you know that 12 days ago, 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years and when informed did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protect it in any way and as of two days ago it fell free and clear into my possession and that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about Sandy Hook. Did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. I gave them my phone and then, Mr. Jones, you need to answer the question. No, I, Did you know I, this didn't know this happened. Didn't know that happened. They sent Jeannie the entire cell phone. They've got the contents, every text he ever sent or received, presumably. 
now the January 6th committee has asked for that information and they have it. That means they could see all the texts between potentially here Alex Jones, Roger Stone and company on the days leading up to and including January 6th. Did the trial just change to the January 6th committee just change because of this trial? It could have. I mean, he testified before January 6th. He pleaded the fifth over, I guess, a hundred times. And, you know, I was just riveted by this this attorney yesterday as he made this case. And he said Alex Jones's lawyers didn't even even a few days in uh, say that this information was privileged. So it's all out there. And as they said in their closing, speech is free, but lies you're going to pay for. And he is (laughs) going to pay big for this. This is the first of three big trials. And it very well could change the January 6th committee, at least much of the information that they have could be enhanced by what they get by these texts from Sounds these like texts. a country song. Doug, what do you make of this? Uh, not the future of Alex Jones, but what these texts could mean for the committee and for the outcome of this investigation. Yeah, I mean, in full disclosure, I've watched none of this trial. When I see kind of the Adams Family-esque characters that's kind of <laughs> orbit around Trump world, I change the channel. It's why yeah. I was watching um, Sonali just a few You're minutes ago. Probably wise, yeah. Um, But um, clearly what we see the committee doing is they're going wider to go narrower. They're casting their net wider to see how much further up the pyramid they can get. Does that include a White House chief of staff? Does that include a national security advisor and ultimately the president itself? They're going to continue to cast that net as wide as possible in directions we may not see coming to get as high up as they can. You start wondering if the DOJ is is getting busy here, Jeannie. When do we hear from the attorney general about all this? You know, it, it sounds what we're hearing is they have been very, very busy. I yeah. think we will hear. I mean, the tough thing for them is the closer you get to, say, a potential Trump announcement he is going to run. And the more he is likely a candidate, that makes it a little bit tougher for them. So I think they're working diligently. We don't know if it will reach up to him, but they certainly seem like the noose is closing around some of the upper echelons of the Trump administration. All right, you two, less than a minute left. We've got the jobs report tomorrow. Doug, is this going to be good news for Joe Biden? Well, if we, you know, what we've seen in past months is most of the, of the news we see economically is rocky. You know, yeah. the jobs numbers are good. Everything else seems to be bad. So you'll see potentially, you know, depending on where it falls with expectations, you'll see the Biden administration talking about jobs. Right. But that doesn't address where everybody really is in the country. Does it help them argue that money. this is not a recession, Jeannie? Uh, it does, as long as they stay solid, and they have been for a, a while now, 40-year highs. Meet you this time tomorrow to talk about it on the Fastest Hour in Politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity 
while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore.